Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. much of becoming an adult was distancing yourself from your childhood experiences and pretending they didn't matter, then growing to realize they were all that mattered and composed 90% of your entire being. If you didn't remember how you felt during that one game of truth or dare when you were a sophomore in high school, who were you? Emma Straub, All Adults Here. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm recapping the books I read in January, from the coffee table book that was all over Instagram to two five-star books I cannot wait to put in readers' hands. Let's get started. So I spent much of January trying to get out of a pretty significant reading slump, and I don't think I'm alone in this. I feel like there were a lot of listeners and fellow readers who I think just post-holidays, it's hard to get back into a reading rhythm. Um, I know it was certainly difficult for me. And so finding books that could hold my attention, that sounds terrible, but I just had a really hard time with it. And then to kind of add insult to injury, I spent about a week at a book selling conference in Baltimore. And even though that very phrase, book selling conference, makes it seem like surely, surely there, <laughs> there would be time to read or to get out of a reading slump. Um, I didn't find that to be true at all. We had uh, conferences and panel discussions and meetings from about 7.30 in the morning to 7.30 at night. And I think Anybody who has been to any kind of conference knows that then, um, you know, going back to your hotel room and doing anything other than sleeping is pretty much uh, miraculous. So uh, January was just kind of an odd month. And yet, when it was all said and done, I read, oh, I think about seven books. And two of them were five-star books. So I want to go ahead and dive right in. The first book I read in January and finished was We Wish You Luck by Caroline Zancan. Caroline Zancan wrote Local Girls or The Local Girls a couple of years ago, I want to say. And that one looked interesting, but I did not pick it up. Uh, we Wish You Luck came to me as an ARC. It is out now, um, available in hardback. I started reading this maybe... I don't know, a couple of chapters right during before the holidays. And I thought, oh, I'm really going to like this book. Um, but I put it down because the holidays. <laughs> and then I did not pick it back up until January. And when I did pick it back up, it was quiet. It's a it, it's a quieter book than you might think, um, but very devourable. So We Wish You Luck, uh, if you are not familiar, is what I would categorize as a campus novel. It takes place in Vermont at a at an MFA program that sounds actually pretty awesome. Um, they meet in January and June. Uh, they kind of inhabit this typical undergrad campus, but when the undergrad students are away. So it's just these kind of graduate level writers 
universe. And I loved the way the narrator of this book um, kind of described this MFA program and why these writers all came together and what a program like that looks like, um, ranging from, you know, recent grads um, to adults, accountants, people who are already kind of living their uh, career-oriented lives but who want to find a way back into writing. I just loved the descriptions of the campus and the writer's group. The narration is really what I loved most about this book because for much of the book, the narration is told in the collective or the royal we. (laughs) We really get a sense of the collective group of MFA students. It reminds me of The Secret History, a separate piece. Um, Gosh, even the movie with Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society. That is what very much reminds me of, but interestingly, with a little bit of um, The Dinner by Herman Coe. And the reason I say that is because this is a quiet book that kind of builds. So we open the book and we know that there's been maybe this kind of incident that this writer's group, uh, this group of people gathered at this campus, something has happened, but we don't know what. And they're all kind of reflecting back and narrating together. Again, I kind of, I just love that narration. I thought it was so unique. Um, And then we are taken on a on a pretty lengthy ride. Uh, the author takes her time leading us to this to this really intense incident and moment, and then the fallout. And not much time is given to the fallout. So if you don't like a slow burn, I'm not sure this is going to be for you. But if you like really good writing, and this is really good writing, um, then I don't think the slow burn will bother you. I was never bored, so don't be scared off by that terminology. I was never bored, um, but it does just kind of build slowly and quietly until you finally get to this incident, and then you're kind of left to grapple with it um, alongside the characters in the book. So I really liked this one. Four solid stars for me. If you like campus novels, it's definitely for you. Slow burn, but a really good slow burn. And and the book takes place between January and June. <laughs> and I know we've talked on here before about seasonal books and what you like about um, seasonal reading. And I love a book that I can kind of cozy up with. So especially those components, those parts that were set in January, I really felt like this book lent itself to wintry reading. So We Wish You Luck by Caroline Zancan, and that one is out now. The second book I read, in part to get me out of that aforementioned reading slump, I read The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse by Charlie Maxey. Um, You have probably, if you exist on Instagram, you have probably seen this one because the cover is gorgeous, and the illustrations have been all over because... um, Charlie, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but he is kind of, um, Charlie Maxey is kind of everywhere on Instagram with his beautiful kind of pen and ink or pencil and ink um, drawings. And the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse, I will admit, I initially assumed was a children's book. And then I kept kind of seeing it everywhere. So we had ordered plenty of copies for the store kind of in anticipation of it being this great New Year's book. And when it came in, I immediately purchased my own copy, which is not always true. Sometimes I get the question of what books do I actually purchase anymore? And the answer is not very many, except when I'm traveling. But in this case, I bought a copy for myself. It is sitting on my coffee table as we speak. And yes, I could easily sell this, and we have sold this to kids. But the message is, the message of the book is really 
almost like a folk tale, almost like a, like an old-fashioned Aesop's fable or something like that, where I could sell it to an eight-year-old, but I could also sell it to an 80-year-old. I just think it's beautiful. And if you're looking for a gift of any kind, truly any kind, I could gift this for a baby shower, for a wedding shower, for a graduation present, for Mother's Day, Father's Day. Truly, I and that is rare. I feel like it is rare to find a book that would appeal to so many different kinds of people. And the messaging is so important. I want to wrap up a copy and gift it to every friend I love. Like, like maybe that should be the only birthday present I give this year because every person I think needs the message. And I, I feel like I'm overselling it, but it's so true. So if you have not seen this one, if you have not been on Instagram, um, beautiful illustrations, as I said, and Charlie Maxey kind of opens it with this author's note, kind of letting us know where he got the inspiration for the book, why he's writing it. This young, this little boy meets a mole, and the mole is kind of this voice of wisdom. Um, The fox kind of comes in, and you think the fox is going to be maybe this instigator, but instead he's just curious, and he asks really good questions. And then the horse um, almost seems to be the voice of age and of the wisdom that only comes with age. Um, This is laugh out loud funny in parts. The mole really likes cake, and that really resonates with me on a deep level. Um, but the, the sentences are so sweet and simple and the text is drawn. And so it's just this beautiful package. Um, and the little boy will ask the mole questions and the mole will answer in this really lovely, thoughtful way, things about fresh starts and new beginnings and what happens when we worry. And that's why I say an eight-year-old could easily understand this book and enjoy this book, but an 80-year-old would also, I think, even weep at it. Um, our staff kind of picked it up when when it first came in, and I think we all were just mesmerized by it. And it was funny to see which passages each one of us was drawn to because, again, the the little boy in the book is asking all different kinds of questions and asking things about being brave and going on adventures, but he's also got also asking questions about worry and who whose voices do we listen to and so it was just interesting to see which voice and which questions resonated most with um with us as a staff so i loved this book i feel like you really don't need to hear my praise of it i feel like you've probably seen it everywhere but if you haven't i would love to introduce this book to you it is called the boy the mole the fox and the horse It is by Charlie, again, so sorry, Maxie, M-A-C-K-E-S-Y. We'll have a list of these books in the show notes and links to the bookshelf website so you can purchase if you're interested. But if you are looking for a gift that truly is perfect for anyone, I I think this is it. And and again, I don't say that lightly. I I don't necessarily think every book is for every person, but I think this book really is when I think back to the people in my life, I think this one I really could hand to anyone. Dear Edward by Anne Napolitano is the book I believe that got me out of my reading slump. So We Wish You Luck was so good and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse I flew through because it's this short little giftable book. Um, But Dear Edward is the book that finally, I think, got me back in my reading rhythm. And I had no real intention of reading it. I think I mentioned this on the winter literary lunch um, that I really had no inclination to pick this book up. 
Um, it had already been picked by Jenna Bush Hager for like the Today Show book club. I And it was a book of the month club pick. So I kind of felt like it was one of those that was going to sell itself. Um, and so when that happens as a bookshelf staff, we, we don't always read those books. Sometimes we do so that we can converse with our customers well. Um, but this one felt like it was going to fly off the shelves on its own. But when I was working on the winter literary lunch guide, I had my stack of ARCs that I was going through, ARCs, and I picked this one up, read the first page or two, and then quickly finished up the winter literary lunch guide (laughs) and immediately picked this one back up and just kept reading. And I'm not the only one. So this is one of my favorite little stories. So my, I gave my mom, I sold my my mom this book. (laughs) And we've talked before on here about how my mom and I are different readers. She is a little more cautious than I am, a little more sensitive of a reader. And there is nothing wrong with that. Um, She, I've said before, fell in love with reading with the Jan Karen books. And so she gravitates toward different literature and not every book I love is she going to love. But I thought she might like this one. So I sold it to her and my mom texted and I don't know the last time I've been so proud. She texted me and she said, I just finished this book in one setting. I don't think I have ever done that in my whole life. And I just, my heart just burst. So let me talk to you about Dear Edward even though you may have seen it everywhere. Um, Dear Edward is about a young boy, and he is the sole survivor of a plane crash. And Anne Napolitano, she has done some interviews. She's got a great interview in Book Page where she kind of shares that she was inspired to write this book after reading about a plane crash in which in which there was only one survivor. And not only was there only one survivor, but the young boy who survived also lost his family in the crash. So the book um, that resulted from Anne reading that newspaper story is Dear Edward. Edward survives the crash but loses his mother, father, and brother, and he has to go and live with his aunt and uncle who have um, struggled to have children of their own. I adored the format and the setup of this book. Um, we it is bizarre to me. There are a handful of books where I feel immediately attached to the characters. Um, the current is one where I go back and I think, gosh, he really encapsulated a college friendship so perfectly in truly two to five pages. In Dear Edward, we are given this glimpse of Edward's family in such a way that I utterly fell in love with them and my heart sank because all that I've told you just now is no spoilers. <laughs> um, that is all on the back of the book. And so I knew from the moment I opened the book, I knew that I was going to lose these people. I knew that I was not going to get to know them in the deep way I wanted to get to know them. But I was immediately hooked. She sold me on this really normal, you know, slightly, maybe slightly dysfunctional, complicated family. She sold me on them. I was totally attached. And the book then goes back and forth between post-crash and then almost hour by hour leading up to the crash. And I adored that format. I thought it was smart. And I thought, I think some readers have said that it maybe took them out of the story, but for me, it was the opposite. Um, I think it'll be up to you as a reader whether or not it resonates with you. But for me, it really cemented me in the story and helped me get answers I needed as a reader about the plane and who was on the plane and what happened. Um, But then it also reminded me that Edward is the character that I cared most about. And so 
it is examining what happens after a national tragedy. Um, it examines what happens when the newspapers and the media stop covering um, certain news events and how people have to keep living. Um, weirdly, one of the things it reminded me of was the opening passage of The Goldfinch. The writing is very different. This is a very different story. But in The Goldfinch, we're introduced to this young man who has survived a bombing. And we watch him recover and try to be resilient and try to overcome it. And in in Dear Edward, we're getting some of that as well. We're trying to see how Edward can grow up and into an adult without the help of his parents and his big brother. And it was disorienting and sad and yet also just really good and hopeful. Um, I do not consider this to be a downer of a book, and that's why I shared my mom's endorsement because I don't think my mom would have loved it if it was completely without hope. Um, That's not really the kind of literature my mom likes. So if this one has been, if maybe you've been hesitant because it is such heavy subject matter, I think you could take heart and know that it is hopeful. Um, It does remind me a lot of the book Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which I'm not sure. I feel like I was in the minority, but I adored that book. I thought it was great. Um, And it was kind of a post-9-11 story. I just fell in love with Edward's aunt and uncle, with his dear friend. I just, I loved them all, and I became very close to them, and I really liked this book. Dear Edward by Anne Napolitano. It is out now. Again, you have probably seen it several places, but um, but I hope if you've hesitated, maybe this will give you the push you need. I do think it's worth the hype. Next on my list is Saint X by Alexis Shaitkin. This is a debut novel that comes out in mid-February. I, again, kind of read this in preparation for the winter literary lunch. It was a novel that I picked up um, thinking I might like and really looking for um, a thriller. During winter literary lunch, we in the store have a lot of the same customers who come to those seasonal lunches. And so I frequently know who's going to be there. And we have a customer who loves thrillers and suspense novels, um, but maybe some that are a little less commercial. And so I really was kind of on the lookout for a book for her specifically. And I think I found it in in St. X. You'll, I think, see this book... um, probably on the internet just because the cover is so striking. Um, St. X gets its name from a fictional Caribbean island, and the premise is one that does sound familiar, almost tabloid-esque. The novel centers on this young woman named Allison, who goes to vacation with her family in the Caribbean and goes missing and is ultimately found dead. And the story is then told from her younger sister, Claire's eyes. So Claire is much younger than her sister. Allison in the book is freshman in college, kind of on the cusp of adulthood. And her sister, Claire, is, gosh, I think around seven. And so she is observing and taking all of this in. And it was interesting to read this after Dear Edward because there are similarities. It's these kids um, having to overcome and live through and endure trauma and the after effects of trauma. What's interesting and original about this book is that we don't really follow Allison's uh, life story. We don't really follow her behaviors. Instead, we are given a lens to Allison through Claire. And 
the first, gosh, I don't know, 50 to 100 pages maybe are about this family's vacation on this Caribbean island. But then the novel switches to allow us to follow Claire, just like I was able to follow Edward in Dear Edward. Um, We as the reader are given insight into Claire's life and what it's like for her to grow up without her sister. And she grows up and into adulthood, she moves to New York City where she works in publishing. And she catches a cab one night. And lo and behold, her cab driver is one of the men who was accused of her sister's killing. He was never convicted. He was never found guilty. Um, but he is one of the men who was accused of, of being responsible for her sister's disappearance and death. And so she gets out of the cab and she strategically leaves her phone behind. And what follows is this kind of weird cat and mouse um, story of how Claire um, spends a lot of time almost becoming obsessed with Clive, um, this man from St. X who who may or may not have been responsible for her sister's um, death and disappearance. Perhaps one of the most surprising parts of the book for me, not only do we get Claire's perspective, but we do ultimately get Clive's perspective. Um, And I do want to be clear that Alexis Shaitkin is a white author. And so um, it was interesting to kind of feel her grappling with how she best wanted to narrate Clive and how best she wanted to tell his story. But I did find his story to be very compelling. And it's interesting the similarities that exist between Clive and Claire. Claire kind of exists in her sister's shadow. And Clive kind of exists in the shadow of his um, very charismatic best friend. And so Claire and Clive have some really interesting similarities. I think that was intentional by the author. And throughout the novel, we don't just get Clive's perspective. We also get um, some of the people who were staying on the island at the same time. We get their perspective. And woven throughout, we've got this great kind of suspense cat and mouse game, um, almost psychological thriller, almost, Um, though more in line, I know I've already mentioned the current, but certainly more in line with the current than, for example, Girl on the Train. Um, but not only do we have that happening, and that's kind of the main the main plot point, but underneath there are these undercurrents of privilege. And when you vacation on an island and how obsessed um, the author kind of uh, argues that um, wealthy Americans are obsessed with kind of getting away and going on vacation and they go and they stay in these resorts, but they never leave the resort and they never get a sense really of where they are. And they don't fully grasp the beauty and sometimes the brutality of these places they are staying. Um, and they maybe are comfortable in their privilege and they are not as comfortable with opening their eyes toward, um, toward poverty that might exist in these areas. So I thought that was really interesting. I And I do think the author did a really good job of balancing, of balancing that. Um, it's also just, in my opinion, a really well-written book. I think I've seen maybe a couple of reviewers think that it's overwritten, and that could be true. But I... I really liked it. I felt like it was fast-paced. I thought the pacing was great. And I very much felt rooted in both St. X in the parts of the story that were set there and also in New York City. Um, I could feel there are some scenes, if you read the book, there are some scenes where Claire is kind of following Clive and it's raining. And I very much felt there. So I thought the writer, um, Alexis Shaken, did a really good job of putting me right where these characters were. Um, And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking and 
especially since we see some of these stories in the news, it was interesting to kind of flesh it out a little bit and to, I don't know, I think fiction has a way of letting us think about these things maybe in a different way. Um, not only is there the are these are there these undercurrents of privilege, but there are also these undercurrents of why are we as a culture so obsessed with true crime and so obsessed with these kind of gruesome events? And I thought that was interesting too. So it never was preachy about that, but I definitely sensed that as well. Kind of why are we so almost voyeuristic and how we watch these. And and I'm super guilty. Like when I watch these Dateline shows or when I listen to these true crime podcasts, why am I doing that? So anyway, uh, Saint X by Alexis Shaitkin comes out February 18th, I believe. Okay, the next book is one of my five-star books for the month. I finally got to read The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. You'll recognize that name from Station Eleven fame. Um, Emily St. John Mandel has written other books as well, Lola's Quartet, um, which I have not yet read. But um, The Glass Hotel, I was nervous to read, and I put off reading it. I got the ARC and then put off reading it because I was a little bit worried that it was not going to resonate with me the way Station Eleven did. Um, The good news is... It is gorgeous. The writing is stellar. She is so talented. My mind is truly blown. Um, The book is very weird. So uh, the Glass Hotel is named for this hotel um, on Vancouver Island, this kind of remote um, kind of enclave where, where only the really wealthy would even want to visit just because it is so far removed. Um... Then there's also a sibling story between Vincent and Paul, this brother and sister duo. And then in the middle of all that is this Ponzi scheme. And so Olivia (laughs) joked with me that she still could not tell, even after I described it for her, she could not tell what the book was about. And I looked at her and said, yep, like... (laughs) (laughs) She's exactly right. I do not know how to describe this book. Um, The Ponzi scheme is really, to me, the true plot device. But this book is about a Ponzi scheme the way The Art of Fielding is about baseball, if that makes sense. Um, Mostly what is stellar about this book is is the writing. So I have friends who prefer plot-driven books. Juliana, if you're listening, this is not for you. (laughs) I mean, you might like it, but um, it is certainly far more character into character development and just powerful writing on display. Um, Now, the story is good. I mean, the sibling story, it almost could be read in line with the Dutch house um, in terms of the sibling story. But the main character really is Vincent, and we get her in snippets and glimpses and moments. Um, And it's amazing what we know about her, despite maybe only getting these glimmers. I loved this book. I think it is well worth your time. It comes out March 24th. I am so excited to put it in people's hands, but I also know it is different. Like it is, the plot is very different from Station Eleven, and it is a different kind of book. It's it might not be for everyone because it is kind of quiet and it is more character driven than plot driven, but I fell in love with it. I adored it. Cannot wait to share it. Uh, The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mendel. Next, I read We Ride Upon Sticks by Quam Berry. I think that title is fantastic. Look, I read this book. Um, it was intriguing to me. It's about a field hockey team um, which for some reason very into ever since Beartown, very into certain kinds of sports books. <laughs> um, but what is the twist about this book is it's about a high school field hockey team, um, but they 
are kind of a losing team. They live in Danvers, Massachusetts, right near where the Salem witch trials took place. And they decide they've been losing for so long that what they really need to do is maybe tap into some some black magic. (laughs) So um, this book to me is written very tongue-in-cheek. It is very funny. Um, It's set in the 80s, but it's like set in the 80s with a 2020 lens. Um, So it very much addresses maybe some of the things we love about 80s movies, but some of the things we also find very problematic about 80s films and and books. Um, So I think Quam Berry does a really good job of being nostalgic, but also understanding that there are things about the 80s that we wouldn't want to repeat. Look, I wasn't sure about this one because... Um, I just wasn't sure if it was going to be for me, but the tone is great. I think the writing is clever. I personally did find it to be a little too long. Um, I understood what the author was doing, but at times it felt like it was dragging for me. And I think that partly could be, I was reading it in the middle of this conference I just went to, and I think I could not get a full reading rhythm, if that makes sense. So I was having to pick it up and put it down a lot. Um, But overall, very funny look at high school at this field hockey team who just decides to dabble in in some witchcraft. If you like the new Sabrina, this might be for you. Um, But here's the thing. I did not like the new Sabrina. We talked about this last fall. Um, Chris and I did. I was not a fan of the new Sabrina. It was like a little too, too much for me, a little too intense for me. This could go even darker than it does. And instead, I think it's just the right dose probably it it will be for you or it won't if that makes sense i liked it because i thought the humor was great again thought it was a little bit too long um and got bogged down in a little bit of it but mostly i thought the players on the field hockey team were really fun and funny and it was interesting to get a glimpse at the 80s again through that current cultural lens so that was very clever mostly how fun to read a book that it hadn't felt like i'd read before does that make sense um the glass hotel was so similar in that it felt very original and we ride upon sticks felt fun because I could not tell you anything I've read like this before. I don't think this is YA. It's it's about a group of high school students, but for me this is solidly in adult territory. You'll have to decide as a reader. Um but the characters are in high school, but I felt like the content was was adult uh, for me personally. So that's we ride upon sticks by Quam Berry. It's going to come out in March and like some of the other books I've mentioned, I think you might see it on Instagram because I think the cover is really striking. So we ride upon sticks by Quam Berry. And the last book I read this month was All Adults Here by Emma Straub. You heard me read a quote um, from this book at the very uh, beginning of the show. I loved this book. It's my other five-star book of the month. I love Emma Straub. I thought I had read all of her books, but I looked and I have not read one of them. But I did read The Vacationers, which I adored, and Modern Lovers, which I enjoyed. All Adults Here... Gosh, it's hard to say because I loved The Vacationers, but it might move to the top of my favorites list of hers. Um, It took me a couple chapters to get into, I think, again, because I was reading it in between other things, and so I couldn't quite get my rhythm. But then when I sat down with it and dove in, I loved it. It's about a family... Um, Astrid is the matriarch. Her husband died um, several years prior, and she is now 
falling in love with her hairdresser, Birdie. She has these three adult children that she's trying to feel, she's trying to understand if she failed them or not. Um, So you're introduced to all three siblings. Very, a lot of family stone vibes here. A lot of the family stone. A lot of, this is where I leave you. If you liked that book, I liked that book a lot. So kind of very similar. And we get introduced to these adult siblings, to their wives and significant others. Um, They each have their own kind of problems they're grappling with. We're also introduced to Cecilia, um, one of Astrid's granddaughters. I fell in love with all of them. Uh, The chapters kind of alternated and rotated among the different family members. I never got lost. Um, It was It was a lot of names to keep up with, but they all have such distinct personalities that I did not find that to be difficult. Um, And I was rooting for all of them, which I think is unusual. I think sometimes there's one character that we really resonate with, but instead I thought they all were so unique. Um, Astrid definitely had Olive Kittredge vibes, um, and so that felt kind of fun. And um, Elliot, the eldest sibling, reminded me a lot of Everett from The Family Stone. So if any of what I'm saying is resonating with you, I think this is going to be for you. It's right in my wheelhouse of dysfunctional families, but like families that really love each other, like um, The Nest. Only I think this is way better than The Nest. Um, I can't wait for it to come out. It comes out, I'm pretty sure, in May, but it is called All Adults Here by Emma Straub. And if you like her writing, you will not be disappointed. This book is a delight, and I am so glad I read it this month. Um, it was really fun to close out close out the reading month with a, with a five-star read. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Productions for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm actually listening to and loving Know My Name by Chanel Miller. You have probably seen this everywhere. I avoided it, admittedly, last year because it came out right at the same time as She Said. And I had already read She Said and the Ronan Farrow book, and it felt like I maybe had reached my limit on books surrounding sexual assault, and I just wasn't sure I could handle it. Then I saw it make a lot of people's best of 2019 lists, and I thought I would listen to it. And little did I know, you probably already have heard, but she, Chanel Miller, narrates the audiobook, and it is outstanding. It is so good. I will probably recap it in February. I'm anticipating finishing it then. Um, But that is what I am listening to and loving, and you can find that on Libro FM if you are interested and listening along with me. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes, or if you're so inclined, you can support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations back this week, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, and I am looking forward to meeting back here next week.